0: When I started this podcast, I could have never imagined having the founders of Story MFG as guests of my very own podcast. It's just like a pinch me moment. But for whatever reason, the stars aligned, schedules were perfect. I end up having to wake up at 5am to record this podcast, but you would never know it. And that's just the hunger to actually get this podcast done. Today we have, like I said, the founders of Story MFG, Katie and Saeed. They both have been working on StoryMFT respectively for almost 10 years, coming in on probably 10 years now. I think it was 2013, um, probably even before that when they started to conceptualize and idealize the brand. And if you don't know, StoryMFG is probably one of my top five brands that I'm a fan of. So this is like a huge fanboy moment for me as well as a huge value driver because I asked them all the questions I feel like I would want to know and hopefully you would want to know as well. Um, They were both fantastic on the podcast and (laughs) it was so much fun to record. Before we get started, I have two things I want to tell you about. First and foremost, my name is Drew Joyner. I make YouTube videos around fashion, TikToks around fashion, I have my own fashion brand, and I kind of just love creating content pertaining to fashion, art, culture, and the likes. So if, if it's your first time here, welcome. Second, if you've been here for a while and you've been listening and tuning in week in and week out and have not left the review, I'm imploring you, please, if you could, for me. If, you, if, if you've been liking these episodes and you have not left... A five-star review yet leave a five-star review spotify or app or google wherever you want to leave it i'd appreciate it so much all right let's get into the actual intro of this episode roll the tape <laughs> i maybe have been never more excited to have a conversation on this podcast than i am right now today with these two guests that we have on the podcast uh, it's no shade to anybody else who's ever been on the Beyond the Gummer podcast, but today we have Saeed and Katie Roubaix, the founders of one of my absolute favorite brands currently, Story MFG. Katie, Saeed, how are you both doing today?
1: We're good, that's so nice to hear.
0: <laughs> good, a- yeah.
1: We're embarrassed. I'm yeah. blushing.
2: Yeah, uh, we're good. We have had <clears throat> probably four hours sleep combined, but we're, oh we're good. It's pretty well, good
0: honestly. I'm up early right now too, guys. It's like mm-hmm. the the time difference because I'm in Mountain Standard Time. It's probably it's no, not probably. I can look at the clock right here. It's five forty nine a.m. Oh, thank <laughs> you. <laughs> but, I, but I made I made sure to go to bed early because I you know I I really wanted you guys to be on this pod man I I really appreciate you guys coming on here and um Aww, thanks thanks for you. Four, <laughs> thank you four hours is not the is not the ideal sleep schedule guys <laughs> I, I know no. you guys are, are wanting more <laughs> yeah
1: it's out of our control we're just we're just rolling with it it's fine
0: uh, I understand I understand totally I understand completely so let's let's dive right in like I kind of said Storium of G is a brand that I feel like I've. Um, come to fall in love with over the last you know, three, two years. I know you guys have been around longer than that. Um, but for me, in my fashion progression, um, I kind of was into more you know, streetwear brands. And as I grew up and, and kind of elevated my sense of awareness as a consumer in terms of sustainability within fashion, um, I was started my own business. And, and I was trying to learn more about brands that were doing it, I felt like, in the right way as it relates to sustainable production and fashion. And your guys' brand um, just stood out like a sore thumb. And, and ever since kind of the day I saw it on Instagram or wherever I saw it at, probably 2020, 2019-ish kind of range, I just really, really fell in love with it. And I'm, I am i can't believe I'm, I'm on the podcast with you guys right now. I literally like at to pinch myself. It's unbelievable. You <laughs> it shouldn't be. It's quite easy to get hold of us. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. The fact that you guys are accessible like that. Um, but let me get into the first question. And I, I want for, for the majority of these introduction questions, I want both of you guys to kind of answer them if, if you could. Um, and then as we kind of move along, there might be instances where, you know, Katie or Saeed might want to answer depending on who uh, just feels better answering. Um, but the first question I want to ask both of you is, you know, what is your background and, and how is it like for you growing up as a kid? What is what is your guys's backstory?
1: Oh god. You go first. Okay yours is more interesting so I'll go first. No. Yeah, get the boring bit out of the way. So I'm from <laughs> the north of England which is even colder than where we are now. Um, I just had very normal life really. Like I, I always knew I wanted to be like something arty. Like I, my mum's mm-hmm. a um, an artist so like we always had like I don't know paint and we were just very messy it was like a very messy childhood but in a nice way and yeah and that was it and I think I was very lucky like my family always supported what I wanted to do like we moved schools so that I could do fashion for a level and stuff like that so yeah it was it was kind of like it's quite vanilla but in a nice way like i don't have any complaints like it was there was obviously like weird family shit but then <laughs> like i feel like i always knew that i wanted to do something with fashion and then i just followed that path and got to here
2: yeah <laughs> yeah but you <laughs> make very much money
1: yeah we didn't have very much money we d- we weren't like starving it was just it was just kind of like a normal it was just a normal thing I just went to normal schools Mm -hmm. yeah normal family holidays
0: so you had a more artistic upbringing did you have siblings as well as you were growing up
1: yeah I've got a brother um who's a few years younger and yeah I guess it's a bit more complicated like my mom um like divorced from my dad when I was younger I mean we Mm. don't have to go into all the nitty-gritty but like Mm. there was a few different father figures in my life growing up and I've got a step-sister now as well um, from when I was a teenager and we're really close Um, yeah I guess it there was hurdles (laughs) but more like family-wise but then I was always just like really into school and I just really wanted to be good at everything and (laughs) I was just kind of one of those people I think because I was the oldest of the yeah. siblings I was like set the example you know,
0: exactly good
1: grades and stuff like that
0: exactly exactly my I, t- I was talking to you guys about my girlfriend earlier and that's kind of like her story as well like her older sibling like always just try to set that example for them um, I grew up as only child so I'm a, I'm a little bit different case study here um, <laughs> but <clears throat> when you're the older sibling I feel like that's a lot of pressure on you and maybe not like immense pressure but it's it's a focus of yours right like having that kind of ability to set the to set the stage for your younger siblings. Now, when you were younger, I want to kind of dive in just a little bit deeper on this. So you said you were very artsy fartsy, you kind of um, focused in on and, and knew you wanted to be in fashion. When you were, you know, creating art or messing with art as a kid, was it particularly pertaining to fashion? Or was it more so like um, painting, drawing, uh, sculpturing? Talk to me about that.
1: It was everything. Like, we just always had art stuff at home. I remember one thing, which I'll never forget this. And it was the coolest thing that ever happened to me. Mm. Um, I used to like always be asking for stuff. Like, you know, when you're a kid, you're like, can I have ice cream? Can I have pudding? Like whatever. And my mom would always be like, stop asking for stuff. Like we'll offer <laughs> it when you need to stop asking. And she said, if you can not ask for anything for a whole week, then we'll give you like a reward. You'll be rewarded, but I, mm. I wasn't told what it was. So I assumed it, oh I'll get to go to the cinema or something. And then, <laughs> so I did it for a week. And then when I woke up in the morning on the, um, the, the last day, um, <clears throat> she'd like cut out footprints from newspaper and they were, like went from my room all the way into her room. And she'd got oh like goodness. this cardboard box filled with like pipe cleaners and like fuzzy balls and glitter and glue and paint and like all these brushes <laughs> and like colored paper and stuff. That was the best thing that like, I've ever, ever had. And I'll never forget it. And I was like, oh my God. I don't know what I did with it. Probably something shit. But yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was a really creative house. Like it was, mm. we didn't have computers. We didn't have a TV for a long time. Like,
0: mm.
1: yeah, we just, we were just really like, we we just made a lot of like mess and stuff. And it was very creative. And I remember... Like I don't know how old I was, like four or five. I would just always be drawing little ladies wearing dresses. But like the dresses were like triangles with different triangle shapes. And then from there, that was it. I was like, I'm gonna be a fashion designer. Like I didn't yeah. know what I didn't know what that was even, but I knew that mm-hmm. there had to be some ladies wearing dresses. That was all that was it.
0: Of course, of course. Yeah. And yeah, that's kind of crazy that you knew you wanted to be a fashion designer, um, but you didn't necessarily have TV or didn't have media to necessarily consume like oh, this is like the reference point in which I'm kind of looking at this and saying, oh, yeah, this is where the, it's clicking and there's that spark.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. Where the hell did that come from? When when I was a kid, when I was really young, it was, so it was in the 80s, there was something on TV called The Clothes Show, The Clothes mm-hmm. Show Live, I think it was. Mm-hmm. It was just catwalks. So like we, we did have a TV at one point, And I remember my mum putting that on. I don't. I don't. I, I mean, it was it was terrible. <laughs> I don't know what it, I don't even have. I haven't seen it for so long. Like maybe my memory of it is different, but maybe that's where it comes from. Yeah, yeah I've never maybe. thought about that. So <laughs> that's interesting.
0: Very interesting. Very interesting. Kind of switching personnel here. Let's talk about Saeed How was how your upbringing? can you talk to us about your background a little bit.
2: um My upbringing is and continues to be really happy. <clears throat> um, my my mom is Irish. My dad is from Iraq. They met when my dad was visiting Iraq, visiting the UK, and he he was a a tenant in my grandma's house. So they met and they fell in love. And then they had me, and they had my sister. And when we grew up in the UK, up until we were, I don't know exactly. I think we were like nine or ten, and then we went to the Middle East, and then I was spent most of my teenage years in Iraq really and i came back to the uk i think it was just a, it was it was like 6 months before the war started um and and then we i went to well it was just a whole like bundle of like pretty like i had to redo college like twice because i couldn't get my grades from iraq sent over because of the war And then Mm. I spent ages at uni doing a subject that I just did because I, unlike Katie, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Mm. Just um, I'm just like interested in a bunch of things, and maybe under like maybe either overexposed or underexposed opportunities. So like I was like at at, at the time I was like I just want to be a journalist, and so I did a a course on English linguistics because it seemed like I could do anything language based and then become a journalist. But then of course there's no there was no jobs actually available to me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and i um while i was at uni i started working at a like a startup fashion magazine which is now gone but it was it was like a big deal in london in the 2000s and um did like an unpaid sort of internship although it wasn't supposed to be unpaid or an internship i just ended up not getting paid and working <laughs> <in the wages. laughs>
0: We need a we need to circle back to that uh, that magazine needs some answers. We need some answers for that. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> and um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just uh, Katie. Like me and Katie are like similar in so many ways and opposites in other ways. But she was she knew from when she was a kid what she wanted to do, and I have not ever known what I wanted to do. And I seem to only find out about about jobs like ten years afterwards. I, I hear about someone doing a job. I'm like, that's a job. I wish I could do that. <laughs> it's always better paid and more interesting. And and clearer to get than anything I was, no, I knew about. So um, I was doing journalism, I was doing writing, I was do, like jobbing and uh, I couldn't get any jobs. So I was doing teaching. I actually went out <coughs> to um, Vietnam and ta- taught English just because it was a really like lovely job and the pressure was off um, in terms of finding work. Right. Um, and then I came back just for a visit to the UK and I met Katie and somewhat similar to your parents right <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i guess I, yeah i guess and then um and then we started the brand together and i mean yeah there's some gaps in there but um I, I was doing um katie at the time i met katie katie had been had been a designer for a while and then grad not graduated but moved into something called trend forecasting which is where you You work for a company or work within a company and help that company sort of plan for the future in terms of what's going to be cool in two, three, 10, sometimes even 20 years ahead. Um, She was doing trend forecasting for Denim. Again, another job that I'd never heard of, but the magazine I was working for, that was kind of one of the things that they did or one of the things they were kind of good at. Um, And Katie helped me get into that business as well. So I started doing trend forecasting too a company in a different she was doing denim and i was doing consumer mindsets and like a bit more like retail focused stuff mm. and yeah we did that alongside starting story so that kind of helped bankroll the, the brand although they didn't really bankroll it like we worked really hard <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah of
0: course of course a couple of things say that i think that i want the listeners to hone in on 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 this podcast it's for creatives it's for um those who also, kind of want to build their own brand or entity or whatever it may be, whether it be in fashion or other mediums of art. And I, I think for a lot of young people, um, you said that in, in, like, this is this is going to be the story for a lot of young people um, that you didn't necessarily know exactly what you wanted to do. And mm-hmm. I think for a lot of kids and and adults and and, and even, you know older adults, whatever you want to call them, right, they, they still don't know necessarily exactly what they want to do. Um, so hearing you kind of say that, well, you know, I was kind of trying to figure out constantly figuring out myself learning that story that's inside of me and trying to find that, you know job or passion or whatever it may be um, through, through the course of your life. I think that's really fascinating. And the fact that you obviously, you didn't really stumble on StoryMFG, there's a, there's, a, there's a progression there, obviously, and you obviously worked very, very hard to create and have worked hard to create it. But the fact that, you know, you know, a lot of people try to separate themselves from, from really great people by saying, well, they already knew what they wanted to do. They had it figured out and they worked hard and they made it happen, et etc. et cetera. And you know that that archetype story is very common. But I'm really fascinated to hear the fact that you said that, you know, you were kind of uh, doing a lot of different tasks, traveling around, going to Vietnam, teaching English, working on magazines, coming back, you know, meeting with Katie, and then that progression. That's just that's really, really interesting and fascinating to me.
2: I think that several times in my life, and even like before and since, I've thought to myself, it's far too late for me to start again. Like at you, at like once I got to uni, I was like a kid, but I was like, it's too late for me to change my subject now. And you're made to feel like that as well. You're made to feel like you've chosen. I, there were people on my course who changed after the first year and I was like, God, that's going to put you back a whole year. <laughs> and then after university, like feeling like it's too late for me to get into this or change that. And I felt so depressed. I mean, that's the probably the most depressed I've ever felt in my life. Is coming up union and being feeling directionless, especially when other people seem <laughs> seem to have direction. And I think it's a personality type. And I think I don't think I'll ever be a direction. I, I don't think I'll ever be a person that's got direction. And um, a lot of a lot of a lot of stuff that's out there that is um, that is supposed to be really helpful often it happens that it's actually quite unhelpful like i do appreciate people talking about manifesting stuff and, and it's like very new age to talk about about that kind of stuff but you have to know what the end your end goal is and then you kind of have this big expectation on yourself and other people have expectation to get there and it, the place that you're meant to be might not be that place that you're thinking that thing so i can't i I'd never thought we would be here now with mm-hmm. the kind of company we have uh, and the kind of life that we have 10 years ago. This is mm. this is much, m- far better than I ever expected. But but 10 years ago, all I wanted to do was work for someone else as a journalist and, and uh, you know, live in a certain area and do a certain type of thing. This is much better, but I, I could never have planned f- for it. Mm. Um, we just work towards, like, we just, I guess we just see where things go.
1: One thing that Saeed's really good at and always since I've known him, really, really, really good at, if, if he's not happy with something, he's very quick to identify that he's not happy. And mm-hmm. then he's very, really good at thinking about what, how can we change this? Yeah. And like, yes, like that applies to business stuff. Like not happy about, I don't know, like the collection or whatever. Like it could be like details, but really, he really applies it to like his whole life. Like, I'm not happy where I'm living. I'm not happy with, like for a long time before well for like the first five years of story we basically weren't making any money and there was very little coming back to us like we were giving a lot and not very much was coming back and so Saïd would always be thinking how can we change this like how can what can we do differently and like what's not working and let's just get rid of it Let's like just throw mm. it out literally not think about it and move forward and he and I think that's like
2: but also that, that that those times when we weren't getting much back, we were still like happy with stuff. We were like we were happy with how it's going, and we were like pleased with what we were doing. Conversely, we we have like bigger opportunities now, and we can get much more back from them, uh, and we're unhappy with it, and we don't want to do it. Like we could be doing like we <laughs> we get like we get offered like brand deals to work with other brands like bigger brands where we wouldn't have to do very much work. Mm. And we would get a lot of money and we would get a lot of exposure for it. But it would feel like shit and it would mm. be a really shitty experience. Mm. Like we, we just spent like almost a year working on some shoes that we could have done in a collaboration with someone else. And we're not going to make half as much money on them. It's been really difficult. But it's still, <laughs> <and> it still never <laughs> felt like like just like drop it. Whereas other things, yeah, I, I do appreciate you saying that. But I, but I do really often feel like, I feel, it's again, it's like a personality thing because Katie's your bit, I feel like very unattached mm. things or at least I'm like easy, i like easy to drop things. Like yeah. you it's of a drink and it still tastes a bit like soap. Like some people just keep drinking the drink cause made drink the it. drink I'm and drinking. I'll, I'll just chuck away the drink. <laughs> that, <laughs> that is me, an amazing analogy. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: that is amazing. I, I that go is back amazing. to what you
2: said. I, I think there's probably nothing I respect more than a career change later in life when I see people making a change later on, but it's really hard, you know, like that's very difficult. You, the benefit of doing it slightly later is that hopefully you've got some kind of work going on now so you can can, continue working. And if you can find the energy to in your evenings and time off, start laying the seeds for other stuff, then you've got to respect that so much. We have, we have a lot of friends that have, even within the company who've got side hustles, that hopefully that that I mean could become a thing or might not become a thing. Who knows? But it's such a huge amount of energy to to give work energy and life energy and everything. And later in life, it's so much harder because everything's so much so complicated. Mm-hmm. I could just go to Vietnam and um, use my use my degree that I had to teach English. It wasn't easy and it involved me saving up and then. But I didn't have I could, couldn't do that now. We have got a mm-hmm. kid, we got a business, we have got commitments. We got um, all our relatives are older. Everything's everything's more difficult. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, and and it's it's a great kind of lesson for everyone who's listening i think too um one of the things i was doing when i was researching you guys reading articles looking at linkedin things like that so so say this is like this is what you're talking about these are the moments when you were just vibing because that's what it says on linkedin
2: oh. from like years <laughs> <That's right>. like <laughs> from years I'm like, like... <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> okay but first first of all i don't really use linkedin i don't i don't <laughs> I deleted it ages ago, and um, and then I don't know what we I mean, I never found out what the what what the what the motivation was for this. But there was someone on LinkedIn who had made our brand, and then were was going around getting asking people to interview for roles that didn't exist. I don't know what we don't know what it was so that's weird a few people messaged me saying that they were interviewing for a story was it a real job because it sounded really weird and I was like no so then I had to make an account to go and own that thing and then a friend of mine was like why have you only got one job what about all that time you were just vibing before and then yeah that just vibing job role was um largely failing just failing probably <laughs>
0: That's hilarious. Uh, I want to let's let's dive deeper into the story. You guys had talked about in the first five years, you weren't getting as much as you're putting, you weren't getting back as much as you're putting in. Kind of talk to me about the difference between the inception of story MFG and kind of where you guys are now. It's been, uh, I feel like, quite a journey. After hearing you guys weren't, yeah, you guys can talk about it.
1: <laughs> so it's completely different now to when it started. Like when it started, we had zero expectations and just some ideas. And all we would do is walk around and talk and talk and talk and talk and then everything took so long because obviously we had no money no connections no I don't know like family the that experience. could help us no very little experience mm. so everything took so long and now obviously things happen a lot quicker but at the beginning we just wanted to make like one product like one thing that's all we wanted to make and we just talk about it we probably talked about it for six months before we even did anything I don't know if that's an exaggeration but like we don't have that luxury of time anymore um so yeah we'd we'd just met I think we'd been together for like six months or something and mm-hmm. I was Said was miserable and I was like I was just drinking my soapy tea out of the cup <laughs> like for I would have stayed in that job forever probably um and then yeah we just We just were like, we should just make something because there's there's, basically as part of my job, I was because I was like looking for like future technology and future fabrics and all of these stuff that you you can't just go to a shop and buy. Um, I was just seeing all this amazing stuff. And then Side was like, why can't you buy that in the shop? And I was like, well, they're really rare or they're really expensive or they're really hard to make or like all these different reasons. And then like big companies just don't do anything with these. Like, for example, hand woven fabric. Like
0: mm-hmm.
1: it takes so long to make it. It costs so much. There's all these inconsistencies that it, it basically mm-hmm. doesn't tick any box that you would need if you were working in a shop and you were going to buy 500 pairs of jeans. You just couldn't mm-hmm. do it. So I was like, well, why don't we just do it? And so that's basically what we did. We just, we went to a, a denim, like a fabric show where they where all the different mills and people come and they show all like the latest, latest and, we just started talking to people. It's quite, do you want me to go into like real detail? Because Yeah, go into real I detail.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So yeah. we knew we, we were looking for something really special. And we had um, like a list of things that we wanted that we weren't going to compromise on. Like it had to be, um, it had to look special, but it also had to be natural. Um, we're vegan. So it had to be vegan, like the stuff which has got silk in it or I don't know, like wool. And we, we didn't want to use anything like that. Um, it had to be um it had to be like kind so like what i mean is it it it, it wasn't something that could be made where people are like in horrific circumstances or like mm-hmm. um it had to be something that was like craft based mm-hmm. um anything else the list was pretty long <laughs> was there anything else yeah the,
2: the list was long the the list was long but also like amorphous like we were <clears throat> we were looking for we were we we knew there was we were actually not really looking because we knew what was out there. We were sort of assessing what, where, where, like, where we could actually yeah. add some, where we could add some value. Because there, before Story, <laughs> there was people doing stuff with hand-woven and natural dyed fabric, but the kind of clothes that they were making and the kind of messaging and everything around them, and the kind of people that they were dressed, the, the kind of um, the kind of look that they were building was not what we wanted, and there were people. Right doing stuff with recycled stuff and sustainability and all that kind of stuff and um some like sometimes the sometimes the fabric and or the or the would be would be right and then the look would be wrong or the or the story like there was there was a there was a denim brand at the at the time when we started doing handwoven naturally dyed denim in Japan but then it was mm. like a, then they were making like a five pocket american jean and then it was $2000 and Ooh. it wasn't mm. it, it was like it wasn't for us Like, I think that, like, fashion, especially now, like, what people are talking about is like, is this for me? Are you making, is this for me or is this for someone else? Or, and all brands are trying to be like, this is for everybody, but they don't actually, they don't actually make it feel like it's for everybody. Mm. Um, So we were looking, yeah. So we, we were doing that. And also at the beginning, when, when I was talking to Kate, when we were talking about what's out there, we were also thinking about this, this was like, 2013 this is like that at least for us it felt like the height of like kickstarter and indiegogo being these like major vehicles for brands to, right. to start stuff like the the while me and katie were like we're graduating but it was like the recession was happening and although it's like not easy to see what's going on the what was happening was like no one could get a bloody job Katie was, mm. was well employed. I was all until until just before story. I I had never been employed. I'd just been doing bits here and there. Um, and I think that like those platforms that came along just allowed people to think about okay, if you can create a pro- product and a story and and connect people across the world, just to like input a little bit of belief in you, then you can you can get hundred orders and that'll be a product run, and then you can move right. on to the next thing. And we were inspired by that, and we didn't want to be on either of those platforms because they felt like they felt a bit cheap and a bit like Silicon Valley or, you know, there were denim brands and fashion brands that started on Kickstarter and Indiegogo. And I feel like you never shake that label of, of being a Kickstarter brand. So yeah. we were like, let's do the same thing, but just independently. So we started at, at the time we were, I was already on like, on like Reddit, like Mail fashion advice and Mail fashion and raw denim. And then a, a bunch of other, a bunch of other, um, Plus, yeah forums like there's one called care tags which is now I think it's like having a rebirth but um and start just start talking on there about like what we want to do and mm-hmm. people were interested and we worked out we we so we uh, skipped forward a tiny bit we found the fabric we wanted to work with we found the people we wanted to work with we were also set on making it in the UK just because we could go and visit the factory and the whole thing was about like being involved in the entire process they mm-hmm. told us that they needed to make 100 pair of jeans as their minimum um, which meant it was 300 pairs because we were doing three fabrics mm. um, so we worked out we needed to sell i don't remember what it was like 36 pairs of jeans or something to break even so we were like okay that seems really doable <laughs> I'll, I'll buy two kate you'll buy two
1: <laughs> my mum will buy some uh,
2: we need to sell i think right. we, i think i think outside our circle we needed to sell 16 pairs okay and we were like that seems doable to break even and then we didn't sell 16 pairs i think we sold six. <laughs> um <laughs> But we still, we still made it, we still made it work. And that took so long making these pair of jeans that while we were showing the pair of jeans, we also, there's so many small, tiny little stories, but we had like a little extra bit of fabric and we got some, a tailor to like really quickly within like six hours, make a really shitty jacket without any buttons on it or anything. And then we put the jeans with the jacket because we were like, we didn't know which jacket to put the jeans with. And then people were like. Is the jacket for sale? I and mean, we were like, it can be. Yes, it
1: is. <laughs> uh,
2: and then for the jacket for the jacket, we like didn't revisit our mistake of working with a giant factory with long lead times. And we found a small tailor in the in, in London who would do three as a minimum. And and she was about eight times more expensive. But mm. the you know, the 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 trade-off was that we could make three and we'd only mm. have to sell, you know, and then we just carried on like that. We just kept making like six of a shirt, three of a shirt this, that, like moving on, like, and um, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it carries on and on and on the story. Just fast forwards. But it
0: seems like you guys were, you know, constantly adjusting knobs, designing, pulling things. Always, it's always, that process is ongoing. I think, I can't remember where I saw this quote, but um, it was someone who I think is relatively, relatively successful in their field. And they were talking about, you know, you know, your, your set is important, like what you know how to be able to do. But the hustle sustains you, right? You yeah. have to be able to continuously beat the nail with the hammer, and and maybe get a new hammer, and, and maybe get a new nail, and try different things, and always try to make that board, right? Oh my um, god,
1: we tried so many things. Like we had a uh, because we couldn't afford a shop, we ha- we rented a narrow boat on the London Canal, oh and gosh. we invited people to come, like every We didn't live on it because it was freezing, but the night before we would go, we would, like, clean it, like, deck it out so, like, look cool and then send people who wanted to visit, like, a drop pin on the map where we would be because we had to move around because we couldn't afford, like, a permit to... You're not allowed to to keep
2: these boats where they are. Otherwise, people would just live on them, like, in central London. So you have to move every two weeks at minimum, at maximum.
1: Which is horrific. It's... I mean... Some people love being on boats. I'm not a natural boats person. Like that, that, doesn't, that doesn't come naturally. I don't, like I dropped my phone in one time. That was, there was a lot of, there was a lot of things. But, it, but it's <laughs> also
2: like, it, it allowed people to come and meet us. It was yeah. like the best we could do. And although we probably only had like 12 people ever visit us, one of, <laughs> one of them was has become like a longtime friend of the brand and, and has like modeled almost every one of our lookbooks really extremely supportive and the other one or the other two another another pair that came together were uh, John Skelton and um, Zhao Zhao who at the time John Skelton founded a, a, a shop in the UK called LNCC he's now somewhere. elsewhere and Zhao Zhao was the buyer for their new like conscious um, concept and that's that meeting started us being like well we that, they were like can you make a small collection for the site and that was the first collection we did. And that started us doing collections.
1: We met them on the boat, yeah, we they should came point to the out. We yeah, didn't yeah. have a studio what or anything. Crazy.
2: And, um, and that, that's, what, that's what, like, <clears throat> that was the first, like, gear change for the company. It was still just mm. us. It was still tiny. But we suddenly had to make a production run of, I don't know how much it was. It was, like, £9,000, which, which was more than we had made in, like, several years <laughs> yeah. and and, in, and that's now a very small order for us yeah of
1: course it, yeah. and to, like this the whole time so like this this takes us up to like year three of story so like up until here and then like a good couple years afterwards we were living in a box room um with all of the samples around us and a mattress on the floor um in mum's the place where Side's mum and dad met and fell in love at the beginning of the podcast awesome that we- so we managed, we were able to live there rent free, but we had, it was a shared house. So there was like five other people living there, sharing a bathroom. We were on the floor. We had all the samples around Jeez. us. So and luckily we didn't have to pay rent. So that was lucky, but it was mm. also, I would say part of the hustle. I'm
2: not, yeah. not a tall person, but I can life. I, I, if, I, if I was slightly taller, I wouldn't be able to lie down in that room. Oh it the was, door hit the bed. It was it was
1: one It, of was, those. Like, it
2: was like <laughs> one point five by two meters.
0: Jeez.
1: But it was Jeez. fine. It was fine. Because we were like the like any good press or any good word or any like nice interaction with the customer like fueled us at that point. That's wasn't a, it? But we only
2: moved out of there like two years ago. Yeah, no. <laughs> <So. laughs> <laughs> okay. Um that's that's (laughs) hilarious
0: that's hilarious no that it's it's great to hear you guys talk about these things because i feel like it puts it in perspective for just everyone young creatives and i I, honestly i did not know these things about you guys so it's really awesome to just hear it firsthand like super super cool um had mentioned you had mentioned you know there were other brands businesses that were coming up trying to um use you know fashion forward textiles, sustainable textiles, etc, etc, but didn't necessarily nail the kind of uh, the look you kind of mentioned, or maybe the marketing approach for for their brand to really attack an audience that would, you know, be best suited for their clothing. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you guys, um, either one of you can answer, uh, what what would you say, um, from your perspective, uh, is the ideal story MFG? customer because because i think you had mentioned you had mentioned just now um and i'm talking to give you a second to think about it but t- <laughs> t- tell me what do you think the ideal customer is for you guys do
2: we through
1: you? Uh, you do because i don't even know the answer to that
2: um <clears throat> i don't know that we've got an ideal customer well we do it's it's me and katie that mm-hmm. anytime this is so like i don't know i feel like it's such a like a businessy thing to say but whenever we make something it's we ask ourselves like would one of us wear it and if one of us wouldn't wear it and pay the price that we've got to charge to get it would we is it worth making and you know Mm -hmm. occasionally occasionally slash quite often uh (laughs) stores that we sell to will be like you know it would really help us if you had x or if you did this did that and it's something that doesn't come naturally to us and often we kind of like get kind of, I don't know, gaslight ourselves to be like, maybe we should have that. Maybe that is good. And then because it didn't come from us and it's not something we would wear, it's always does terrible and it does <laughs> it's not for us. So it's for us. And we are people that are really interested in how things are made. We're interested in a certain look, which is this like, like not tailored, unstructured, like, I guess the main word would be anti-fit.
1: Wide making. Yeah,
2: very, like, very, like, (laughs) stuff that makes you kind of look wide and short. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, we like stuff that's outdoorsy, that's vintage, all extremely vintage inspired. We, I, we, we love, we love, and customers, I think, love when a brand takes, like, very iconic cultural shapes and makes them in, like, a very just slightly different world. Like, if you visited another universe where, the main brat the main like story was the was the nike like how what would those shoes look like they'd like mm-hmm. look a bit scratchier and a bit wobblier and that's what we that's what we kind of do we like to like imagine that in our world like if we had a pair of converse what would that <coughs> what would they look like would they be right. like a bit like rougher looking would they be a bit more clowny with you know so um the ideal customer is someone i guess like us that is interested in all these kinds of things and and we have several different customers and th- sometimes there's crossover and sometimes there isn't. Sometimes you've got customers who are just extremely into natural dyes and that's me. That's like, I know and love everything about the process. Katie doesn't not love it, but sh- it's not her principal thing. She's more into like the shapes and stuff. Um, we have people who are just into the brand because it's in cool stores and and merchandise with other cool, with, with other like cool brands like um, mm-hmm. Bodhi and Needles and what have you um and then we have yeah we have customers yeah we have like a a streetwear customer that like mixes it up
0: even myself i had mentioned sorry to cut you off i don't mean to be rude (laughs) um even myself i said that the reason why i was introduced and got interested in the brand is because of the process Mm -hmm. and then obviously the obviously the the entire jive of the brand as well like 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 you'd mentioned, like to me the process and how you guys make the clothing and the natural dyes and the the handcraft nature of it, and I like I like the recontextualization of it too. Like you said, if if we were living in a world where Story MFG was Nike or was you know the biggest brand in the world, like um, I love the fact that you can kind of have that feeling if you step into the story MFG mold, right. Whether yeah. that be in, in digital spaces. Um, I've obviously never been, you know, to, to where you guys are, but I can only imagine. And, and it just feels like it would just be a very authentic story MFG feeling and space. And you can tell that because of the garments as well.
2: We could, we, that comes out of us having spent this time like building a, a design language. So we, we know a bit better now what, what we use, that design language came out of the restrictions of the processes. So we, for, for, for there are things that we just can't, cannot do with natural materials and natural dyes. And there are things that we can do now, but we couldn't do before. So the, the kind of restrictions build a framework and we're like, okay, if you want to achieve this, then we have to, we have to do this or make some new system or it has to look like this. And, um, and, I think that I, 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 I do love it when people call us authentic, but, but I do understand that that authenticity comes out of kind of a restriction to, to be, to be like very like basic. If, I, if we went out and saw like a capital fleece, like, and we were like, that's really great. We want to do it for our brand. Any other brand could just send that to a factory and, and like change it up a little bit. And they would be able mm-hmm. to find polyester fleece, do uh, you, you need be able to use normal inks, they'd be able to like get advantage, vintage... Uh, get get a, buy it from the shop and remake the exact same shape. They'd be able to like just, you know, like copy the homework and change it up a little bit. Tweak it, tweak yeah. it, yeah. Even if even yeah. if we had that intention, even if we got that capital fleece and sent it to our factory, like we want to remake this, we have to. We can't use polyester fleece so we'd have to like remake a fleece we can't use the the same inks and dyes so we'd have to work out a way of doing it we can't print the same way so we block print which makes which is a handmade process adds like another two months we um every everything has to be like taken completely apart put back together again so even even if we did which we never do say let's cop let's rip off this thing that's currently in the shops for one thing it would take like two years mm-hmm. and then for the second thing it would look. It, it would be like Chinese whispers or telephone. Mm. Or, you know, like by the time it got to the end, it's 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 like some like weird blurred version of the first thing, right? Um, and I love that. Like we we really we really love that, and that's why we that's that's why um, we like taking these iconic shapes and reimagining them. The one that Katie's wearing now, it's like very iconic, like shape from Patagonia, the snap tee <laughs> that they did, which right. in itself was a reworked rugby shirt which in itself was you know like this and but, it, but yeah and it, but it becomes our own thing it's completely right
0: changed. right right and I think that's once again another really important message for young creatives there's a certain level of integrity that you're upholding with your brand and with storymfg of G and with your process that you it's a line that you just won't cross and as a result as a result of you making that decision, because every action has an equal and opposite reaction, obviously Sir Isaac said that, but like every action you, every action you have, you know, towards that integrity, it it creates a result and, and you feel, you know, it's, it's not something where like you feel, you know, constricted, but it's a rigid um, way of producing and you want to uphold that. And as a result, you get a, a design and a look that not a lot of other brands have. And I think for a <coughs> lot of young kids and just anyone who's creating, like a lot of times they just want to kind of copy the capital they want to copy the supreme they want to basically create a one off version of it and one of the things i've learned and you know a lot of people have learned too is that you you aren't going to be a you aren't going to be a better version of supreme if you're just starting out you're not going to be a better version of capital you're not going to do that so finding a place for you to differentiate yourself and have that integrity to continue to differentiate yourself based off of whatever you know uh style or whatever mode in which you want to operate i think that's really really cool and important yeah.
2: i think that as, as long as you're asking the question we, we did this from the beginning like if we do this how is it dif- like what have we got to add to the conversation or are we yes. just saying the same saying the same thing
0: mm, mm. um
2: and then i think there were then then there are, i think there are good answers to that question too like if the answer if, if you're a high street brand and the and the answer is well we're just going to make a cheaper version, then I'm not sure that's a good answer. But if mm. if the answer is we can make it more sustainable, or we can we can um, we can make it we can help make it appeal to uh, to like underrepresented pe- people, or if we can move the conversation on here or something, I think those are all good answers. And I think mm. that no one will be annoyed if you copy a Supreme t shirt but make it but 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 like make it more progressive right like, exactly Some exactly. Like, element to it and, and uh, just before I like on your other point about having rigid um having rigid uh framework like we do have a rigid framework and we try to keep to it and we codify it but you also I think we've learned this more and more Is you also have to kind of be a little bit kind to yourself Um mm. you have to you have to be a bit flexible like this late on into our brand we're still ending up with like mistakes that fit that fall outside the remit like we we've just we we made a prototype of a jacket that had velcro on it and the manufacturer was like don't worry about it we'll find an eco version of it we've got we've got access to it it's no problem so we will go on like we'll we sell sell the jacket and make the jacket and then now then they're like we well we actually can't get this thing so we've used normal velcro which is very like upsetting but the jacket's already made and mm. so you kind of have to just keep moving forward. And I, I can't remember where I read it, but I read it recently. I think it was Future World was quoting someone was saying that um, perfection is the enemy of progress. And mm. so, and you just you kind of have to take that mindset too. I mean, it's a little of each thing. It's a little of like being strong and making sure you've got integrity, but it's also um, making sure that you're always moving forward as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah, totally. And there's, I love that there's nuance and there's nuance in everything. You can't, there's no, there's no black and white kind of structure in which you can operate where either a hundred percent this or hundred percent that there's always going to be things that you're adjusting for. Um, yeah. now, so we have, so we have probably about 15 minutes left on the pod. You guys have been fantastic so far. I absolutely, I've, I've loved it. It's been, it's been a real treat to have you guys on. Um, There's probably one more question I want to ask you guys about story. And then I want to kind of get into like a little bit of your guys' personal kind of interest in things. And then we'll kind of end off with a final question um, here. So I want to ask you guys, um, you know, being, uh, you know, a couple husband, wife, um, co-founded team, how is how is that, you know, navigating being partners and being business partners?
1: Oh yeah. That's a good one. (laughs) It's, do you know what? It's really good. Like 90% of the time it's really great because we're always together. (laughs) Um, But it it means that we, we just talk, like we just talk things out like constantly and like, we don't have to wait for a meeting. We don't have to wait for a particular day or anything. We're just like constantly discussing things and like sounding it out with stuff and like, yeah it, it's, it's really helpful i think i think it's been really good also we're two very different personalities like and like mm. two very different ways of being and working and thinking and so if one of us has an idea it's just so nice to be able to be like is this shit?" and yeah it is shit. okay <laughs> um, it's just, it means that like we we can get through things quickly but then obviously there are like downsides to it which is like because we are together all the time it means that business like and normal life like the the lines of blurred. like literally yesterday <laughs> we had a like a uh, hoo-ha because uh i it was like we were meant to have a bit of time off and it's so hard to get out of the like the, the work mindset so i was like going like work and said was like whoa like boundaries and it's it, yeah. There's a lot of those types of discussions, like even, mm. even now still, like we are a lot better. Like we mm. put some rules in place a few years ago, like no work after five o'clock um, and like trying to make sure that we find time to do things which are non-work related and like getting outside and going for walks and stuff like that. Right. Um. And then the other thing that's hard is because, and it, maybe this is not just husband and wife, but like just having two people, it's two different, like, ways of feeling about work so like I get yeah I get like I, I get quite like emotionally attached to stuff like especially if I've like thought about it for a long time and put a lot of time into it even if it's shit I, I'm just like well I think we should do it and so I was like no and like Said is is like very good at separating what's important and what's important to invest his emotions into and mm. I'm just my emotions everywhere so side will be like no like that's not good. And then mm. that becomes, like, a thing. And, like, everything is just heightened because because we are also in a relationship. It's just... But that's a small part of it.
2: I think it works. <laughs> I think It works. It obviously works. It works for it us. Works. It works for other people. Yeah. I think that, again, uh, I wouldn't use us as a, a model of, of um, like, that you should be able to start a business with your partner. Don't because, do it. Because, no, <laughs> do it. I mean, like, for some people it works. But, again, it's, like, might be an unrealistic expectation for you. We've got... We've got friends and, and family who've started businesses together as couples and it's, it's a really toxic, it's immediately toxic because mm. it just like mm. builds upon like bad stuff. And maybe because we started it quite early on while we were still like on a honeymoon period, maybe because we're both quite, um like, we're quite reasonable people or like, quite, like, not very objectionable. We like, we like to like work things through.
1: We so talk it, a lot. We talk
2: a lot. Like, neither of us shut down, like... We've got we've got a really good thing. We've got a really we've got a really like really lovely relationship. That's awesome. <laughs> See that that
0: that's probably that, if you don't have a lovely relationship, it's not going to be a lovely business partnering. That's for uh, sure.
2: <laughs> no, no, and uh, yeah, you don't want you don't want. Also, me and Katie, Katie's got Katie's got a massive skill set, um, and I've got a skill set, and and then there's gaps in between us, and we're mm-hmm. both very cool about like filling in those gaps with whoever does it best um totally and so we we work together on stuff and we we can work so we can work out our problem together and, and and yeah it's good i think it's really good i couldn't i couldn't, couldn't imagine it being good with anyone else
0: oh that, that warms that warms my heart hopefully it warms everyone's heart who's listening it's it, it's really special to have um relationships that obviously you guys have built something really awesome together and the fact that you guys are still talking about it now and you know pleased with each other and pleased with the brand is awesome uh it's kind of a perfect segue into kind of like what I like to call the Katie and Said kind of uh just personal personality I don't know I don't know what I want to call it <laughs> I just wrote Katie and Said on my on my sheet so I don't know why I pretended like there was something special but um I want to ask you guys, this is just like more personality stuff. People get to know you. What are what are some of your guys' favorite kind of like media? Do you guys watch a lot of TV shows,
1: movies? Oh my god, yes. We watch a lot of TV. One of us does. One of us does. The (laughs) other one is just listens to podcasts and goes on TikTok. But this one, um Side literally is obsessed with TikTok. (laughs) <laughs> um, I'll let you talk about that but yeah I side finds me really good YouTube videos about crime scene investigations and like mm. um, the interrogation things I'm obsessed mm. with it anything that's like a thriller like I'm that classic girl meme where it's like the serial killer TV show obsessed <laughs> person. Yes. like Netflix i watch watched all of them YouTube all of them Jim Can't Swim obsessed don't like the copycats don't have time for them um, yeah we we also really like sci fi and we like we watch like all of the like new Star Treks. We love Star oh, Wars, yeah.
0: like
1: all of that stuff. Like Battlestar Galactica, we're obsessed. We watch sides, watch like four times every <laughs> single episode.
0: I feel like a story MFG piece could be in like one of those sci fi films or, or shows. I think that would be cool. It's something to write down, maybe. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but like when they go to like a planet and there's like a weird cult and they're all like wearing like shades of orange.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're really into food as well. Like, Said is a really excellent cook. Mum oh. learned all of these amazing Arabic dishes. His mum's Irish, but she cooks phenomenal Irish and um, Iraqi food. Um, oh, wow. She learned from Saeed's dad's mum, Saeed's grandma, and so she's taught Said and Said just cooks like insane food, like really. Saeed,
2: you're a chef, you you're Sa- chef Said. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think it's that different to like lo- loving like production stuff. I think it's all the same. It's all just like how is this done and how is it mm-hmm. made. Yeah, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. I love. We love our family. And always like after, my 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 dad is like one of those like typical like like non-western dads it's like we've got, we could just make this at home we're not we're not paying a restaurant to make it for us right thing. correct version at home um but yeah we, we cook a lot at home
0: and yeah. you guys are both vegan right correct so what yeah. like what are some of the dishes because i'm always looking for more vegan dishes that um can satisfy what are like what is like one of your top dishes you <laughs> anything do? you Gosh. like just without
2: the meat and dairy meat. basically okay. but
1: um hummus we love
2: hummus. We lo- arabic food oh, is very easy love hummus <laughs> Arabic food is like Middle Eastern food. is very easy to veganize. Obviously, yeah. there's Indian food. Uh, when we go to India, like it can be easy, but because they're so vegetarian, there's a lot of dairy in stuff. So mm-hmm. um, Thai food is very easy to veganize. Oh, we
1: love Thai food.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, yeah. The, I mean, there's a, there's Sa- a lot.
1: Saeed is very, very good at cooking rice, which I just always thought that's an easy thing. Everyone cooks rice. No. No. I can't just cook rice. I cannot cook rice.
0: I it's cannot cook rice.
1: <laughs> I cook rice so good that you talk. You don't need anything else. Like he also <laughs> makes like these delicious like vegetable tomato stew things with, and like things with like fried aubergines, like you have to fry the aubergines and you (laughs) fry it's so good yeah And like chopped salads he does really good chopped salad sounds that's
0: awesome that's incredible that's incredible my (laughs) my girlfriend's uh Lebanese so we oh oh, you know all about it then I I do I do know I do know a lot about it I do know a lot about it and her and her mom and we we have a lot of dinners and and she does a fantastic job so yeah I know
2: exactly what you guys are talking about (laughs) everything is is, it's like I think I think I don't think any Arab would disagree that. I think that pan Arab people say Lebanese food is the best probably of all the, it's so, it's so good. I'm gonna
0: tell my girlfriend that, I'm gonna tell my girlfriend that Said from Story Move G said this I think Lebanese that Lebanese food I think is my the is, best.
2: Yeah. My dad is mad for it, yeah.
0: Awesome, awesome. So you're obsessed with TikTok. Katie, I wanna hear your thoughts on TikTok first. Through, through that perspective and then side. Oh you me. don't
1: want to hear it I'm like I'm like a mum I can't even get the bloody app to work <laughs> I don't know what my password is that's, that's me but side is like every night when I'm I've gone to sleep or like I'm with the baby or something Side goes through it and he saves the ones that he thinks are going to make me laugh so it's like anything that's got like fart sounds Um, <laughs> like the cooking ones are really good what, what else do you save me like Lo- lots of stuff. Ones. Kate, like
2: Katie Katie you know, in the way that TikTok has like kind of democratized like access to stuff, like anybody can do a, a TikTok and be like, I'm extremely interested in mid-century lamps or pottery. And here are my top five pottery independent pottery places or something. Mm-hmm. Katie Katie and, and the same on YouTube. When Katie watches something, she's like, What are they not embarrassed? Like she's like <laughs> feels like, like it's like low-level cringe, I think, that comes from like i don't know where it comes from but mm. I, I don't feel like that i'm like cool this um, i'm really interested to find out about these lamps okay <laughs> <laughs> <I, I was, laughs> you walked in on me one time this is years ago and i was sitting in bed on on watching the television and it was just someone i think trying to open a safe underwater she's uh, uh, and, no, and it it's was like
1: the, there was the, the padlock with the pick okay oh uh, uh, someone
2: like unlocking uh, like i'm un- doing un- un- <laughs> unlocking some pad not padlocker uh, like a puzzle chest and it was like two hours long. She was like, how long have you been watching this? And it's, and it's the whole time she was out. I'm, I just love, I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't have time for television anymore. And it's not like I've got a short <laughs> attention span. I'm just not interested <clears throat> in watching a TV show. I'm interested in watching people pick, like, do do weird, do like like service a car. Well, mm-hmm. not even service Clean a car. Clean a car. Clean the car. I watched some dude, I watched something like, um, detail a car for like forty-five minutes other day. It was amazing. I, <laughs> I love it.
1: It cleans all the metal stuff mm. with a power yeah. thingy.
2: Yeah, I don't know.
0: Maybe it's, it's just compelling.
2: My brain. it's compelling yeah. content right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I really like TikTok. I think I think TikTok's good. TikTok is, I mean, it's fucking weird that people can't say porn or show a nipple, or it's a, it's crazy that it's so it's so programmed that it can that it'll notice if someone says. Talks about sexual assault, move it off yeah. there. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And then all the like meta language that comes out around it, talking about like, it, yeah, it's that that side of it, I, I feel a bit uneasy with mm. because it's so, like, at least my TikTok that I watch that, that served to me is like very like liberal views, very progressive, very like this, that, and the other. Um, but then those rules, yeah, I don't know. Some, some, it's a bit... It's a bit like being. It's a bit like. It's a bit like when I was in Iraq. Like when, Mm. like you can live a very back then you could live a very normal life and go to the cinema and 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 go bowling and 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 what have you. And but then but then at the beginning of the the showing in the theater, everyone has to stand up and sing a song to the to Saddam Hussein. It's a bit. It's a bit like that. It's like you forget. You forget. You actually. It's kind of like an oppressive framework. And then you go back to normal life. Yeah, that's that's how I feel about TikTok. But I still like it. I think it's really interesting.
0: It is really interesting, and I think never in our. I like how you brought up like the democratization of of access and information, and just being able to showcase your interests. Mm -hmm. But there are a lot of you know echo chamber algorithmic um, kind of modes you can get in on TikTok. Everyone's TikTok it just looks that much slightly different, and it's catered to them. And the algorithm is kind of you know fantastically scary in that way right like yeah um but uh, now i want to ask you guys both real quick talk to me what do you guys think about the metaverse and digital
2: fashion do you have an opinion i
1: literally don't even know what that is
2: i think um (laughs) i I think i think a lot of it's kind of stupid actually and i think Mm. some of it like i'm a bit wary of saying something stupid in case in 10 years time it's like the thing and i just feel really stupid for for being short-sighted but i do think some of it's really stupid at least and like stupid in a very specific way, like like when the dot com boom was happening, when we were when we were really little, and everything kind of went like this, and websites were going for like millions, and then now it's it's all calmed down. I feel like it's the same. I feel like NFTs pretty stupid, at least at least the way that they are now. Like I think a lot of people think that an NFT is this digital asset, but actually it's just a link to a website, and then that website is just going to be a dead link at some point. So you've just got the link. It just doesn't make. It's a bit silly. Um, I think that something happens with like spaces like this even just like areas and cities where it suddenly becomes the new cool thing and then when the first people in are the big brands it kills it it needs Mm. to be like these spaces are like the cool people move in there the people who are using it because it's democratized or using it and doing cool things and then the brands are really late on the scene that's when like and then it's all built up and everyone understands the rules but with nfts and and the metaverse like the big brands are teaching people about it, right. and so it it's kind of like it's kind of it's kind of killing killing the vibe. Like mm-hmm. I'd like to know what would happen with the metaverse if if it was if, if Facebook weren't the people who bought the trademark for the name and what have you. Um, right. I can't see. I mean. NFTs and the Vetverse and all that kind of stuff in terms of brands. <clears> I can see, I can see what the use case is for them. It makes sense that Chanel and Dior and whatever you what have you would want to make it so that you got an NFT with a garment so that if you sold that garment, Chanel makes a cut every time it gets sold so that the secretary market feeds into their profits and stuff. Mm. I can see, I can, and then and like and then like the same for each thing. I can see why people would want to have, I can see why a brand would want people to be in on. These, this on VR, so that they go to these digital meets and pay money for them and what have you. But right. I just don't, I don't get it. I don't get it right now. And I and I think that brands getting involved in it now is just like a very transparent um, money grab. Yeah. Also, think that on the other side, like the immediate criticism for all of this stuff is how much energy it, it takes. Like mm. um, Adidas and. Prada have been collabing for a while and their collab is really focused on sustainability and using re-nylon and that kind of stuff. And that's really cool. Um and then they and then the second part of their collab is making NFTs. <clears throat> and it's like the polar opposite in terms of mm. sustainability. Like one of the least sustainable things you can do to use a much of power to make an, to make a digital thing. And sustain but,
0: the NFT too.
2: Yeah, exactly. But however, um, that has now become like such an like echo chamber, as you said, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that, and and, and I'm like, well, maybe there, there, surely there are sustainable options for that kind of technology. Mm-hmm. And looking through it, there are, and it's and it's a moving, to move, it's, it's it's going towards like it can be done. So I don't, I wouldn't ever like discount it. Obviously, there's like utility and metaverse and and crypto and all that kind of stuff. I just don't, I just I just think it's fucking lame when like, <laughs> brands getting involved now because it's just a cash grab like, yeah. what's what's a luxury brand doing making the, NF- the NFTs are so fucking stupid as well sometimes like,
0: yeah they're not very creative Yeah, yeah.
2: I respect people like speculating buying and selling them and making money like cool um, like do your thing but like in terms of like actually if we're talking about authenticity then I, I don't see what the authentic use is for them right now but make money off them like cool like like people, people are getting people are getting much richer than I'll ever get just by being a bit clever.
1: How would you get one? What's the website? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> 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 I love the
0: takes. I love the takes, guys. Final question of the pod. You guys have been fantastic. Um, the, the conversation has had so many different chapters. I feel like and it's been really fun. It's been really fun. Um, kind of tying back in the story of G. Obviously, I think that's what get people. What will get people to obviously you know click on the pod and maybe the most value defining question for this episode is you know I, want, I kind of want both of you to answer this too um you know what what factors above all else do you think have led
2: to to your success with story mfg i'll say one you oh, it? Yeah. Any of i just think us like having extremely low expectations
1: that was gonna be mine. was it
2: okay <laughs> having low expectations like we <clears throat> we don't expect to grow from where we are now and we never really did so we never really pinned our hoax on growing, so we can never get disappointed. Not only to protect ourselves, but because I think it's a good way to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, we don't, we didn't take any big loans that we couldn't. This is such a boring answer. We didn't, we didn't expose ourselves too much. Like brands that keep like rising and falling, like spend loads of money speculatively, thinking that you are going to get it back, and like maybe it will. But also that kind of gambling is not something that we could deal with the stress of. Um, and I think that they both kind of they both kind of lead into the same thing, which is just that we just, like, kept going. Even oh, that was, <laughs> like, genuinely, that was going to be mine. I was yeah. going
1: to say, we just never gave up. Brands
2: <laughs> that I see, like, do really well, they just kept going. Like, mm. even brands that, like, are really, like, having a, a resurgence, like, vape and all those ones, like, they were cool. Then they were actually kind of, like, when I was young, they were deeply uncool. Mm. And now they're cool again. And then they just, oh, you just have to, like, you just have to keep swimming. Like, you have to, Keep going and going and going and going. Yeah.
1: I've got one more, which I thought of since I stole mine. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Like we don't try and reinvent the wheel every season Mm. because of like fashion tells us that we have to do that. Like Mm. we're very comfortable if we'd really like something to just keep putting it in and like changing it slightly rather than like, I don't know, like killing ourselves because we have to have a whole new, like, silhouette or whatever and I think mm. because we haven't done that because we just we were just like do we still like it yeah then let's put it in again because of that I think that's helped with the the visual language of
2: yeah of and we, we just we just wait things out like if we can't afford something or if we're not big enough to do something or if, we're, if we if we can't meet the demand for something we just wait like even now um there might be like an artist that we want to work with to do artwork and we've got a budget like we're we're still quite a quite a we're not. We're not. We haven't got that much money as a company. So whenever I reach out to one, I'll say like, "This is what we can afford." If it's too little, then I, I, it's not. I don't want to insult you at all, um, and we'll just we'll just you know we'll catch up in a, in a couple of years and we've got. If you just let me know what your budget is, and then we'll come back to them in a few mm-hmm. years time, and mm-hmm. then everyone's happy instead of like insulting someone and asking for work and and it's the same with all the kind of stuff we do. Like so basic, but we couldn't make the color purple for eight years in the brand even though we love purple we would have had it in the first one of the first things we did Mm -hmm. but instead of being like well we just have to have purple so we'll just use a little bit of chemical and then wait we had to wait eight years for us to be able to develop this color and now it's in everything everything's purple um but we just wait it out because one like drop of like i guess trying to get something it'll poison the well yeah Mm -hmm. when one compromise will make it Mm -hmm. i mean I mean, obviously, obviously, that's kind of like in, at odds with me saying like progress is the enemy of perfection. But that, I mean, I'm, that's when that I'm talking about like introducing something. But right. I think just like patience. We, we, we. This not, not to like be e- egotistical, but we could sell to three times as many stores as we have now. We were eighty, almost ninety, but mm-hmm. three, probably three hundred, would take the product or ask actively ask. We can't meet that demand, and um, we could. We could make we could we could like sell out or like we could meet we could do a bunch more if we felt like we were ready to do it but we're not so we just wait and we wait mm. and we wait, and wait um yeah that's
1: so like five answers to your yeah. question no
0: that's perfect honestly if you wanted to have a gauge for the amount of value that that's the that's the top of the line you guys answered it part one part two i love it i love it guys <laughs> i love it like Good. i said it's been um it's been a pleasure having you guys on. Obviously, uh, if you don't know, you know, story MFG on Instagram is just story MFG. I don't think, I don't think they need to tell you guys that. And then obviously they have their ads on the Instagram. If you want to see it there, um, any final words guys, thank you so much. No, thank you. I we'll we'll you come back any time. Anytime.
2: Sorry that we had such a short amount of time. Yeah,
1: Horace. I think we quite love talking about ourselves. It turns out. Well, this is, actually this has been really nice. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the
2: a lot of the time we talk, we end up talking about story. But actually, I feel like we talked about Katie's childhood more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> awesome, awesome.
0: I absolutely absolutely love this conversation both katie and saeed were 10 out of 10 guests very entertaining very informational and they both had this like natural chemistry with each other like when you have two guests sometimes it can be a little bit awkward they'll look at each other and say oh no you go oh no you go but for them they knew exactly who was going to speak and like it was just a a breeze it was a walk in the park to talk to both of them and they were very authentic and i love their answers and just their kind of opinions on some of the things at the end there it was really really cool Let's get into the post podcast analysis where I'm going to break down a few of the things that stood out to me in order to help drive home that value factor for this episode. Let's get into it. First and foremost, that bit at the end where Said and even Katie had mentioned like what they did or the factor that made them successful and one of the major ones, like they listed a few, but one of the major ones for me was that they just kept going. You know, he, he, so he talked about how Bape and other brands, you know, they've had ebbs and flows and popularity. But what has sustained them is just continuously moving forward, continuously swimming. And I don't know if you caught it, but he said, just keep swimming. And I, I immediately thought of like, you know, finding Nemo when they're swimming down. And Dory's telling Nemo, just keep swimming. And sometimes that's what you gotta do to alleviate that fear for one. Obviously that that's the trope in the movie. But in real life, you know, just keep swimming is about, you know, no matter what happens, you know how how dark it gets, no matter how difficult it gets, just continue to swim, continue to work, continue to put in the reps, and what will manifest and what will actually come to life is something that is far greater than if you had given up or stopped. Another thing that I feel like is really important for everyone to hear and kind of understand this is that both Katie and Saeed, they um, they had an untraditional or I guess you can call it untraditional. But they had a path to um, brand ownership and entrepreneurship that not a lot of people kind of suspect that most paths are. And I say this just to highlight that there is no one journey. There is no one way to become and a brand owner of Story MFG, or create your own Story MFG. There's no one way to navigate through life. All of us have our own paths, and I think it's important for us to recognize that. Learning about their story. About their upbringing and how they actually navigated to actually starting Story Mfg was really captivating because it reminded me that you know not everything is gonna be as simple and laid out as you might hope it would be, and you can still find success even if it's a little bit more of a unbeaten path, if it's a bumpy road. And I think that's where a lot of success is found for sure. So if you're older, younger, like no matter how old or young you are, like you have time to create what you want to create, whatever that may be in the world, artistically business-wise or have positive impact on others your journey is just getting started no matter if you're 20 30 40 50 you have a lot of time left and i think that sometimes we become prisoners of you know the moment and we start to think about well i'm i'm 22 i don't have much time left i have to figure out what i know no 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 um their story saeed and and katie's both respectively they were doing totally different things before they started story mfg And, you know, you never know when opportunities arise and things can happen for you. So keep hope alive and really believe in, you know, whatever you want to believe in, that'll help you get to that moment because it's possible for you. If it's possible for them, it's possible for you. And that's kind of what I got from their entire like early story to how they started story MFG. Let me know what you guys got out of this episode. Leave a review in the review section of this podcast and give it five stars. I would appreciate it dearly. Um, this was a fantastic, fantastic episode. Next week we'll see what we have on. I'm very excited for that as well. Thank you so much, Said and Katie again in Story MFG. Um, thank you guys for, for staying up until this point and listening. If you're listening to this episode within one hour and 12 minutes or like in the one hour and 12 minute mark you really are one of my favorite people on the earth. <laughs> um, but hopefully you guys have a wonderful the rest of your day. We'll see you next time. Peace.